Welcome to The Banker Midweek, your weekly look at what the industry is talking about, offering information bankers like you need to know. Hello, and your Banker Midweek editors uh, this week are Liz Lumley and Barbara Pianese. Hello, Barbara. Hello, Liz. How are you doing? Very good. For those of you who don't know, Barbara is our LATAM Latin America editor and America's in general editor and all around all around good person. So we have lots to talk about on this inaugural edition of The Banker Midweek. So, And we're going to start off with our cover story for the magazine, which was written by Barbara. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> Let me go into it a little bit. It's uh, redefining the development bank's purpose in LATAM. In Latin America alone, there's an estimated $650 billion annual development financing gap to meet the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, so Barbara is asking in uh, this month's cover story of the banker, should development banks focus change to support increasingly high ambitions? What's the answer to that, Barbara? <laughs> well, that's a good, good question. So I I think that the point is that everybody's talking about green transition and climate finance, and uh, there is a strong consensus that multilateral banks or MDBs can really pr- play an important role in supporting the private sector to be more involved in into um, you know climate finance. Um, however, most of these institutions were funded effectively decades ago. So a lot of people are suggesting that they reform the way they operate, the way they, uh, and they actually their mandates in order to support this, um, their ambitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my future, I'm going to, I'm exploring the different ways this could be done, because if there is a consensus on this uh, objective, there are different ways this could be done. So for example, these banks could, um, increase their balance sheet by getting more funds from their shareholders, which are effectively governments, or by increasing their lending capacity and borrowing more in the markets. Um, or other people are really suggesting that they should do more with the capital that they already have. So there are different reforms of their capital structure. Um, and this is because uh, they are being at the moment quite conservative in the way they deploy their capital. And finally, quite interesting, a lot of uh, other people suggest that instead of focusing solely on the balance sheet, they should really leverage their operational capability, which Mm -hmm. is their strength. So basically project identification, project evaluation, instead of just uh, uh, thinking about quantity of capital. Really interesting. So this is, again, I forgot to mention, this is going to be the cover story for the Banker, the March issue. Yes. And it'll be on the Banker.com site on March 1st as well. So please, please uh, subscribe and get your print edition and you can read it out, read it on the on the website as well. Moving on a bit, since we are moving into March, March 8th is International Women's Day. Um, for those of you who ask, where is International Men's Day? It's in November, and it's for prostate cancer. So anyway, we'll get back to International Women's Day. So this this month uh, on the Banker website, uh, Joy McKnight, our editor, interviewed um, six uh, CEOs, founders of, of fintech companies, on how uh, fintechs can stay afloat in troubled waters. We're going to talk a little bit about some of those troubled waters later on. But um, she spoke to the CEO of OpenPaid, Centify, Suede, DeepView, uh, Kanubi, and Capital Rise. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what your feelings are. I'd love to hear if it. If it do you think, I mean, do we, it, it, it's interesting. I've got my own stories from the startup world. Um, but, you know, 
why why do we still need to to focus on female founders and CEOs? That's a deep question I'm giving to you. Yeah. yeah. Do you think do you think um, do you, do you think we still need to be doing this and highlighting women in this way, or should we just? Well, this is a is a very can be a quite controversial topic. Mm-hmm. So personally, I think that uh, you know when there is a lot of focus on kind of diversity and on the fact that women should have like a kind of more spotlight, it is um, it can be positive. But at the same time, I feel that. Uh, you sometimes, I mean, me as a woman, I feel a bit like a like no an endangered, spe- yeah, 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 an endangered species. So it's a bit, it can be a quite difficult. So mm. we would want everybody to to progress, but at the same time, you may need regulation. So it's. Uh, mm. What no, do no. you think? <laughs> no, no, I agree. It, it's difficult because, yeah, no one wants to be a token. No one, yeah. no one wants to be told that you, you got where you are because someone was ticking mm-hmm. some sort of diversity box. But, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in the startup world, and and I have met people, lots of very powerful people that have, you know, access to funds to fund startups who claim that female founders don't exist. Or that I've actually been told um, that women shouldn't be trusted to start companies. Oh well, like somehow we're not naturally suited to it, right? So, so it, you get you you go about like sort of in your normal world and think you know everyone should be judged on on merit, and then you meet these people who kind of think that women naturally can't found companies, and oh. so you're like, no, you know what? We need to kind of highlight i think we need to okay, highlight yeah, this is the- like this um and, and, and these are all really accomplished um founders and women i know some of them personally so i'm all for favor of uh <laughs> of putting a highlight on people who don't normally don't get a highlight and actually uh who a lot of people in in the wider startup world claim are don't exist at all which of course uh, we can show them articles in the banker that's yeah. they, they do <laughs> that kind of leads us to the next story um which was from our middle east uh, africa editor john everington um and this got a lot of interest on um social media which is he interviewed uh huda el luwati who is founder and ceo of um alif capital which is the first female founded private equity fund in the middle east and this got a lot of attention mm. um i think the, the middle east is a really interesting um a r- interesting area I think there's it's ripe for investment and there are uh, you know in terms of women there are a lot of female founders and 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 VCs in that in that space building it up um what what do you think are some of the reasons why this got such a huge reaction on on LinkedIn and social channels well I think I was surprised as well I think this is because um it's a quite a new angle and uh, everybody expects you know women in the middle east to be more uh, to not be so present in the financial services world. So, I don't know, hopefully things are changing. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's interesting. The Middle East is a, is a complicated and very interesting region, though, but I I, I was, like, uh, reading stories about that. So now we are, I'm going to say, shock horror, leaving the banker.com. We're looking at some stories oh. that um, kind of caught our eye, which we'll, we'll, we'll probably be covering um, in features or, or in, in some of our columns on the site and in the magazine future. But um, there was a, a story that came out today. This is a U.K. story, which is there's um, a, a new uh, innovation center being put out by the, the Treasury in the U.K., the Center for Finance, Innovation, and Technology. And this came out of the Khalifa Review, which came out a few years ago, looking at um, fintech and financial services innovation and technology in the U.K. And they're going to open a series of hubs around uh, around the U.K. And the first one they're opening is uh, in Leeds. Um, and this really kind of goes to the um, uh, idea where they're trying to make uh, – 
the financial services industry less London centric, um, okay. and, and you know, which we see there's fintech Wales and fintech Scotland, and uh, there's a huge fintech community in the north of England. Um, it's it's very interesting. This is kind of uh, in the wake of the death the death of Tech Nation. Um, this is the new the new uh, government backed scheme. Mm. Um, I've always said that that the UK is is the global capital of fintech. And why do you think that? Because I, <laughs> you know more than me, but well, I was yeah. expecting the U.S. to be more. So uh, the, this is the reason why I've always said the U.K. is, and this is kind of almost the opposite, I think, what the government's trying to do. London has been a, a global trading center for centuries, um, outside of whatever, mm-hmm. you know, what whatever's going on with the government or, 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 or in wider world issues and the whole financial services industry is here and the tech industry and the talent. Um, so I understand what the UK is doing from a country perspective um, mm-hmm. and, you know, spreading the wealth, <laughs> having, I think one of the, one of the problems of the UK is that everything sometimes can be very London centric, mm-hmm. but it is because London is what it is where you have that access to capital and access to talent and access to the financials, to all the financial services industries, all in one very um, advantageous uh, city in terms of time zones. You know, London is that city that can talk to Asia in the morning and can talk mm-hmm. to the U.S. Okay. Uh, in the afternoon, which kind of gave it this its very unique place. Um, someone described it to me as um, it's the, the Wimbledonization of the oh, U.K. Oh, wow. I've never heard that. Which is, um, this is when um, British tennis players didn't win Wimbledon. It was as long as you host the game. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. But um, but it's interesting to see this this new group and to see how it's uh, it's grown. Um, and they're also, which is uh, not actually opening up a physical office. It's just going to be support. So I'm not quite a sure. Digital, digital hub. Digital, yes. Oh. I'm not quite sure how yeah. that works. <laughs> I know we're I know we're in a hybrid remote. How does hybrid remote working working for you? What do you think? <laughs> I always come to the office. Try to come to the office quite often. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, great. Yeah. So you're you're an in person in person thing. Um, you know, moving on from that a little bit, talking about um, fintech, and we mentioned at the beginning. Uh, of our talk, that there's been a bit of a down. Well, there's a downturn globally mm-hmm. with with tech stocks. You've seen a lot of stuff in the news about people being laid off from Google and, of course, Twitter right at the moment. Um, and now this is, of course, is affecting um, fintech. So, uh, two of the companies that have um, uh, former darlings, you know, mm-hmm. Stripe, which you, used to be uh, potentially worth 120 billion. Mm-hmm. Dollars has lost is is now valued at ninety five billion. You know, mm. hey, <laughs> still ninety five billion. They they are um they've they've lost a bit of valuation, and this morning Klarna has reported a one billion dollar loss. Mm. Um, and a lot of this is blamed on kind of changes in in the econ- in mm-hmm. the environment in the mm-hmm. economic environment post pandemic. People aren't as online anymore. Higher yeah. interest rates. What it, What do you think? Do you think? Do you buy that <laughs> argument? Or yeah, I mean, I think it's it's um, it's quite. I think that the COVID environment and the you know interest rates are often used as sometimes as an, as an excuse, right? Mm-hmm. For for uh, I'm not talking about this specific situation, but they are used as an excuse for some business models that probably still need to be proved. Right, so we are seeing, and uh, that you know, the Klarna is also 
probably they will face some kind of regulation exactly, in the future. Exactly. Yeah. The, the Klarna. So, for those of you who don't know, Klarna is the 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 darling of the buy now pay later yeah. um, uh, world. But yeah, no, it's gonna it's come under a lot more scrutiny uh, recently. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll we'll see we'll see how this current environment is affecting our beloved fintech fintech <laughs> companies to see if our former darlings might uh, might be on the top of the heap again. So as we end off end up um, our inaugural Banker Midweek podcast, I sometimes like to um, talk a bit, uh, have a story that's a bit fun. But this story, I'm I'm absolutely fascinated with artificial intelligence and the launch of Chat. GPT, uh-huh. which is which yeah. is of course everywhere right now, um, and people are using and and I guess um, there was news that uh, students in Europe taking the international baccalaureate can use it to write mm. essays. Which I'm not sure how that works, but we have to get back to away from academia <laughs> and talk about banks. And J.P. Morgan um, has recently banned its staff from using Chat. GPT. Um, you know, JP Morgan is also one of several banks that's recently been hit with some fines over the use of WhatsApp communication with clients. This is another story that the banker is working okay. on, <laughs> which will be coming out on the on the website very soon. Um, but you know, what do you I mean, is this is are we just should we just let the robots take over? Or what do you think? Do you think this is a they're no. being overly cautious? No, I'm I'm like, you know, a big uh, blade runner fan. <laughs> So I'm, you know, I'm very much what, like. Whose side are you on in Blade Runner? I want to know. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, I just think that some t- technology is useful, but we shouldn't. It's still important. It's just an instrument. You know, mm-hmm. we cannot really delegate everything to that. So this is my view. I know it's very simple and very much like tradition. I don't know if you agree. Probably you are more. So you like the robots advanced. will be our slaves, and they. No, will. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Not really, no. Well, just tools. Okay, yeah. It's yeah. At the end of the day, we are the people that that build these tools, so um, we'll build them into. Should be a partnership. A partnership. Partnership. An equal partnership. Equal partnership. In name of diversity. <laughs> You've heard it here first. Barbara is in favor of our robot overlords living beside us in freedom. Yeah. Course, why not? Anyway, on that <laughs> note, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. Barbara Pinizzi, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Uh, and you can read all of Barbara's uh, stuff on thebanker.com. And I am Liz Lumley, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Banker Midweek, part of the portfolio of podcasts from the editorial team at the Banker, available on thebanker.com and wherever you get your podcast fix. Search on the Banker Podcasts to listen to more.